Wasn't that a wonderful, wonderful worship time with the whole worship team there today? I hope you enjoyed that. Thank you so much, everybody who was involved with that, the tech team behind the scenes and all the work that went into that. Thank you so very, very much. Hi, uh, so glad to be with you again. My name is Mike Schroeder, and uh, I'm here to talk to you about Easter and the fact that Easter is the day that changed the world. Now, we, this is sort of a two-part series, and last week, Pastor Matt just really did an awesome job talking about some of the uh, thoughts around Palm Sunday and what the cross means to us. And today, I want to talk to you about Easter, and it starts on what we call Good Friday, and it goes right through till right now, right, right now, in fact, because Jesus Christ is alive. In fact, there's an historic exercise that the church does on Easter. We already did it once at the beginning of the service, but let's just try it one more time. Your part is, he is risen indeed. Now, you're at home or in your car, wherever you are, and you're listening to this, watching this, but please say this out loud, okay? I'm going to say, he is risen, and then you're going to say, he is risen indeed. Are you ready? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. One more time. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Very important to say these things out loud. And today I have sort of three points I want to just share with you. The empty cross is central to the Christian faith. The tomb should have been final. And last but not least, the living Christ is our eternal home. And just before we get started, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to have Julia Spence come and just read the scripture for us. Are you ready? Lord Jesus, thank you for uh, what Easter means to us. And I pray for each and every one that you will bless this word to all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Come on, Julia, go ahead and read now, would you please? Good morning, Life Church. This morning's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 10 in the New Living Translation. The Resurrection. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. 
and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Here ends this morning's reading. Thank you, Julia. We really appreciate you doing that. So I have these three points, and the first one is this. The empty cross is central to the Christian faith. And I, I first of all want to talk about the fact that Jesus truly died physically. There's a theory out there, and I was talking to someone just a couple of weeks ago about this, and they were wondering if Jesus actually really died on the cross or if he just almost died and then somehow he was in that cool tomb and sort of re resurrected again or not resurrected, but actually came, came back awake. But the truth is that Jesus could never have lived through that crucifixion. And for, there's, there's three things. First of all, the fact that he was flogged first. And he was almost, almost dead when he was carrying that cross up to be severity of the beating that he took. It was, it was awful. If you've seen that movie called The Passion of the Christ, uh, that gives you an idea what it would have been like. And even living through that is not easy. And then he was hung on the cross by the Roman executioners. Now, the Romans, apparently they, uh, they didn't really invent <coughs> crucifixion, but they perfected it. And these Roman soldiers knew what they were doing. They were executioners, and they basically knew exactly when their prisoner was dead. There's more to be said about that, but I really don't have time to do it justice. And, uh, you know, the third thing is that his friends thought he was dead as well. And they were used to embalming and they were used to these things and they knew what a dead person looked like. They were preparing to embalm him and they never got to it, of course, because Jesus did rise from the dead prior to their opportunity to do that. And uh, there's a scripture that is so important about this and it's found in Hebrews chapter 10. The empty cross is central to the Christian faith because it's the basis of our forgiveness from our sins. Jesus bore the sins of the whole world when he was crucified. It wasn't just an, a simple, even though it's to say simple is the wrong word, it wasn't just a physical death. It was a spiritual death. He bore all of our sin, all of your shame, all of your guilt, all of your pain. He bore that on the cross at Calvary. And in Hebrews 10, it says this, it was God's will for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Nobody has to die again. Jesus doesn't have to die again. His, on the cross, he said the words, it is finished. And this is the it, that Jesus Christ bore your sins and mine. And now we can be made holy through that great sacrifice. What a wonderful Savior. 
Now, the second point that I have for you is this. The tomb should have been final. <laughs> the stone was put across that tomb door. It was rolled across. It was sealed by the guards and guarded the, by these professional guards. And the, the tomb should have been final. But when it, when it came, up, came out that the tomb was actually empty, even the, even the guards and the authorities knew it was empty because they tried to explain it away. And you can read that in Matthew chapter uh, 28. But there's one thing I want to say to you about why we can be kind of, we can be sure. There's evidence, lots of evidence. In fact, I'm going to talk about evidence now just for a few minutes. There's evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. The tomb should have been final, but it was not. And the fact that the first witnesses were women is very significant. Uh, that culture, uh, misogyny, was embedded in that culture, this great prejudice against women. In fact, in a court of law, they tell us that women's testimony was not taken uh, as factual uh, without the corroborating testimony of uh, a man. And so the testimony of the women, who saw, they were the first ones who saw the t empty tomb. They were the first ones to testify of the resurrection. That's, that's actually like an embarrassment to the whole story. And if they were trying to make it up, they wouldn't have done that because it's just so counterintuitive. But uh, we understand that there's lots of different reasons to believe in the resurrection. Now, one of our church members, Torsten Link, has posted a video online a couple of times over the past few weeks. And I've asked him to share some of his thoughts that he got out of that video. And then we'll talk more about that video in a minute. So now why don't you just go ahead and listen to what Torsten Lang has to say. Did you know that faith and knowledge work hand in hand? It all starts with faith. Unless you're firm in faith, you will not stand. And faith draws knowledge. On the other side, knowledge will increase your faith. Do you know the movie on Netflix, The Case for Christ? I recently watched a YouTube video from the author Lee Strobel about the evidence for the resurrection. Maybe you have heard that the Quran denies the crucifixion of Jesus. He states in the movie, you will be laughed at by the scholar community because there's so much evidence for the crucifixion of Jesus from inside and outside of the Bible. But what about the resurrection? Some people believe the resurrection is just a legend. Listen to this. You might have heard that the Bible has a unique language that is called creedal language or creed. Jesus expanded on a creed from Moses that stated, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and strength. And Jesus added, love your neighbor as yourself. Today, we have a statement of faith that contains phrases like this. Creeds were in circulation in the Mediterranean and Paul collected them. There's an important creed in 1 Corinthians 15, 
that contains eyewitness accounts for the resurrection. More than 500 people that saw, touched, or even ate with Jesus. Incredible. And according to the scholars that Lee Strobel interviewed, they believe that Paul received this creed already three to six years after the resurrection. Hmm. So, can the resurrection be a legend? According to those scholars, it takes at least two generations for the memory of what really happened to fade and legend to develop. Lee Strobel has nine total arguments for the resurrection. Watch the video and you will see that knowledge really increases your faith. Thank you, Torsten. If you want more information about that, if you want to see that entire teaching to which uh, Torsten referred, you can see it on the YouTube notes just below, uh, just below where you're watching, and you'll be able to click on that and you can watch the entire presentation by Lee Strobel, the case for the uh, for Christ, the evidence of the resurrection, and that scripture that Torsten referred to. Uh, which was from that video from Lee Strobel, is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I just want to read it to you once again. It says this. This is that, this is that, that creed. Jesus died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. And he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve, and after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. And then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. James was the Lord's brother. And uh, James was uh, kind of a skeptic while Jesus walked on the earth, but Jesus appeared to his brother James. And James became a leader in the church. And I, I want to read to you now, uh, just as we come closer to the end of this message here today, uh, I want to read to you from Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10. It says this, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Now, I know that there are a lot of different kinds of people watching this video. There's our church family, of course, and I'm so glad that you're with us today. But also there will be those who are somewhat skeptical, but you do believe the facts. You believe that Jesus died on the cross, and, and you believe the evidence that you've seen, you, you, you just somehow, you believe in that miracle of the resurrection. I want to tell you what, that what needs to happen next, okay? Are you ready? We need to, to publicly say out loud that we believe in our heart that Jesus, that Jesus was raised from the dead. And so I want to pray a prayer with you, and I want you to say it out loud with me. And this is the the next step on your journey of faith. If you believe the facts, you believe Jesus died on the cross, you believe that he rose from the dead and that he is the Lord, you need to make it personal. 
you need to say things like this. You go ahead and repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And now I'm putting my trust in you for my salvation. Amen. Amen. Now listen, the last point I have for you today is that the living Christ is our eternal hope. <laughs> we have hope in the now. We have hope that God hears us when we pray. We have hope that uh, we, we have hope that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us, just like He promised. We have hope that He will comfort us because He is alive. He's not dead. But we also have an eternal hope for the future. And it says this in 1 Corinthians 15. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. And one day there will be what's called a general resurrection. And all who believe will be taken to be with Jesus Christ in heaven with the Father forever. And that is our eternal hope. Uh, thank God, it says for, further in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57, it says, but thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless because of Jesus, because the cross is empty and the tomb was not final and Jesus is alive today, we can have this eternal hope. Jesus is preparing a place for you and me right now so that we can be with him. He's building his church right now to win the world for himself. He's got your back and mine. He's interceding on our behalf before the throne of the Father. And he cares about us and for us. Like it says in 1 Peter, he cares about you with the deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. Thank you so much for listening to this message today. Now get ready for our communion time as all four of us pastors lead you in the communion service.